You're listening to In My Father's House with our pastor and teacher, Mike Fenizio, Senior Pastor of Harvest Christian Fellowship in New York City, New York. In my Father's house, there's a place for me. In my Father's house, where I long to be, oh, my heart will not be troubled. I remember what you said. Because of the fact that the Spirit of God had now been removed from Saul, he didn't have that assurance any longer, you see. And so that's the answer to the question. Why did he lose his faith and his courage? Because of his disobedience, because of his falling into sin in his life. And so as Saul watched the buildup of the Philistine forces, he was filled with dismay. Once again in verse 5, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. When Saul walked away from the Lord, the Spirit of God was removed from him. This left Saul without a safety net. Now alone, he found himself on the opposite side of a great army. It's unlikely you'll ever be faced with such an enemy, but as Pastor Mike shares in today's message, there is plenty to learn from Saul's disobedience. Because of Saul's disobedience and sin, he lost his faith and courage. When you choose to walk a path that is not in line with the Father's will, you remove yourself from His protection and blessings. Now here's Pastor Mike in the book of 1 Samuel chapter 28 as he begins his message, When God Doesn't Hear. Go ahead and grab your Bibles. We're studying this book of the Bible verse by verse, chapter by chapter, but on Sundays we're going through an entire chapter of this book. And in the progression of that series now, we move into 1 Samuel chapter 28. So things are kind of winding down for us here in our studies in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 28, and this message I think is a very significant one. The title is, When God Doesn't Hear. Can you imagine that? I mean, one of the blessings, one of the perks about being a child of God is that we know in times of need, we can make our appeals unto God through prayer, and we know that he hears us. In fact, he delights when his people, his children, and that's who you've become in Jesus Christ, you know, make those appeal unto him. When we petition the Lord for help in times of of need, and uh, even as, uh, you know, a father takes great joy when their children especially when they're young, you know, jump up into their daddy's lap, look to dad for solutions and answers to their problems. You know, I just think of my own children, raising five children, uh, my wife and I, and, but when they were kids, they would just, you know, run through the living room, and I'd be sitting in my easy chair, and they just, you know, when they had to deal with some issue at school or sports or whatever, and they would just jump up in my lap, and dad, there's this thing going on, and is there any answer, solution, and can I help, and I... I just took great joy in that. And, uh, you know, multiply that by a thousand. Multiply that by a million. 
And that's the way that God relates to us. It's a joy when his children make their appeal unto the Lord. But listen, when we forfeit that wonderful resource, I can't think of anything worse than that. Could you imagine praying unto God and God not hearing us or responding to our requests, our needs, our problems, our difficulties? Is there anything worse than that? Well, anyway, that's the subject that we're going to be treating. And uh, let's go ahead and begin by reading the first part of verse 1. So chapter 28, beginning in verse 1. Now it happened in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for war to fight against Israel when God doesn't hear. Okay, so what do we have here? Well, this is, if you've been around for the last couple of weeks, the last couple of months when we began this study here in 1 Samuel, this, if you're taking count, this is the third time that Israel was forced to go to war against their enemies, the Philistines. But this time, King Saul was particularly found himself in a very difficult situation. And why was that? Well, his ranks have now been depleted diminished. The tribes to the east of the Jordan River had been alienated from him. Those to the south had long since shown their dissatisfaction for him. In fact, much of their territory by this time already lay in the hands of the enemies. And the king's heavy-handed policies and favoritism that were shown to a select few caused many from his own tribe, and that would have been the tribe of Benjamin, as well as some from the adjoining tribe of Manasseh to desert Saul and join the ranks of David's growing army. In fact, uh, one of the sister books of the Bible to 1 Samuel is 1 Chronicles. And in 1 Chronicles in chapter 12, we have the record of this mass desertion from Saul's ranks to now David, who, by the way, was anointed to be the next king over Israel because of Saul's disobedience. The Spirit of God had departed at this time from Saul. And also, whether Saul was aware of it or not, the Philistines had been developing a strong military force. Camps for the training of soldiers had been established throughout the coastal plain. Uh, throughout the coastal plain and in the low Judean foothills of the Shephelah, that is according to other historical documents other than what is recorded for us here in our text this morning. And these contingents began to assemble at Shunem, which was located in the northern territory of the Philistines, uh, according to notice there in verse 4. And so it's quite an impressive array. And so these two armies, Israel and the Philistines, were about to face one another. And Israel at this time is at, is at quite a disadvantage. They are outmanned and they are outgunned. Now, let's go on in our text, the latter part of verse 1 and 2. And Achish, who was the king of the Philistines, remember said to David, and by this time, by the way, Achash has actually become David's benefactor, and so David is a vassal now of the Philistine king, and uh, could you imagine that? The Philistines, the enemies of God. You know, and, and 
you know, here is God's hero, right? Our hero, the man after God's own heart. And he's actually fighting, he's about to fight against God's people. I mean, how crazy is that? Well, anyway, Achish, the king of the Philistines, said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So David said to Achish, surely you know what your servant can do. And Achish said to David, therefore, I will make you one of my chief guardians forever. Okay, now, these verses that we've just read, verses 1 and 2, take us back in time to the events that preceded the gathering of the Philistines for battle. That is when David and his men sought refuge from the king. And uh, remember at this time, as David was on the run, when Saul and his guard of 3,000 men were seeking to take his life from him, he made his appeal to the Philistine king, Achish, in the city of Gath. And, and at that time, that's where the kingdom was located, amongst the Philistines. And so there was no room for him at Gath, so Achash suggested that he occupy the city of Ziglag. And in doing so, now he became responsible uh, to Achash's wishes. As I mentioned, he became a, a vassal of the uh, king. You can read about that in chapter 27 in verse 6. So Achash, the king of Gath, the king of the Philistines, ruled over that powerful city. Again, the Philistines' capital. And he was highly esteemed among the lords of the other uh, Philistine cities. And thus he was expected to bring a great host of men to the battle. And so what does he do? The first thing, he turns to David and his men. And at this time, David's men, all of those men who had joined themselves to David, they sort of became like a bunch of mercenaries, guns for hire. These were the renowned men of Israel who were disheartened with Saul's rule, and as I mentioned before, deserted Saul and went to David. And what do we read? Let's go back to verse 1, the latter part, and Achash said to David, you assuredly know that you will go out with me to battle, you and your men. So enlisting them in this battle that was about to take place between the Philistines and the Israelis. Now, David initially may have been surprised by the king's request. But again, he couldn't back down from his benefactor's wishes. He's a vassal of the king. He owes him. You know, what do we take away from this? Well, listen, don't make concessions with the enemy. Don't make concessions with your sin. And that's what the Philistines represent, if you think about it. The enemies of the people of God even as sin is the enemy of the people of God. Don't make concessions with sin. Why is that? Because, folks, sin is a hard taskmaster, as David was about to discover. So anyway, he had no alternative. Verse 2, he responds, So David said to Achish, Surely you know what your servant can do. So he absolutely agrees. And then notice... The latter part of verse 2, the Philistine king moved by David's words, Achash honors him with a significant promotion, one of the most responsible posts in the realm. And what was that? 
David then became the chief of his bodyguards. And so David is now compelled to go along with Achash's plans. Now, before discussing Saul's reaction to this invasion, the biblical writer reminds us of certain facts. And what are those facts? Well, let's go to our text. Verse 3. Now, Samuel had died. And so, if you think about it, that left a spiritual vacuum throughout Israel. Remember, it was Samuel who had turned the hearts of the people back to uh, God. It was Samuel who had, early on in Saul's administration as the first king over Israel, sought counsel and direction from Samuel. But now Samuel has died. And that left a spiritual vacuum throughout the land of Israel. And so notice the writer is very careful to remind us about that. Now Samuel had died, and all Israel had lamented for him. And they buried him in Ramah, in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. That was all, all those who practiced uh, of the, uh, those that were occultists, if you will. So this was early on in Saul's uh, administration as king, when he did some good things, but he departed from doing those good things, you know, and uh, because of his disobedience uh, unto the, uh, the Lord. So, as Saul watched the buildup of the Philistine forces, he was filled with dismay. Verses 4 and 5, let's go on. Then the Philistines gathered together and came and camped at Shunem. So Saul gathered all Israel together and camped at Gilboa. Now when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, this great host of the Philistine army, notice this was his response, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. You see, he lost his courage. Now, why was that? You know, when we were first introduced uh, to Saul, he was a man of great courage. In fact, remember, when the Ammonites had come, uh, were invading the land of the Israelis, it was Saul who came to the front. It, it was Saul who responded to go out against the Ammonites in a battle. You can read about that in 1 Samuel in chapter 11. But notice here... We are told that Saul, when he saw the armies of the Philistines, this was uncharacteristic in relation to when we first were introduced to Saul, he was a man of great faith, he was a man of great courage. So what had happened? He lost his courage. What's the answer to that question? Well, simply, the Spirit of God had departed from him. Now, you probably can relate to that. You know, as I mentioned before, we are a needy people. And I suspect that many of us have come here this morning to receive of the Lord, right? We need to hear from God. We need God to put his hand upon those areas of our lives that need to be dealt with, that need to be uh, treated. And we have the confidence that God will do exactly that. Why? Because of our relationship with God, the communion that we have with God in our experience. We know that God is with us. Why is God with us? Because we are with God. It's this wonderful relationship that we have. And one of the perks of this relationship as being a child of God is that he hears our prayers. And he's more willing 
to invest in our lives, to counsel us, to direct us, to answer those questions. But because of the fact that the Spirit of God had now been removed from Saul, he didn't have that assurance any longer, you see. And so that's the answer to the question. Why did he lose his faith and his courage? Because of his disobedience, because of his falling into sin in his life. And so as Saul watched the buildup of the Philistine forces, he was filled with dismay. Once again in verse 5, when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid and his heart trembled greatly. So never before had Saul seen such a well-disciplined troop. The whole valley opposite him was filled with Philistine soldiers. Let's go on, verses 6 and 7. And when Samuel inquired of the Lord, so notice, this is interesting. You know, here's, here's a fellow who had already turned his back upon the Lord. He knew that the Spirit of the Lord had departed from him. He knew that God had chosen another to be king in his place. But nevertheless, in his disobedience, right, he still nevertheless turns unto the Lord. You know, this reminds me of so many people and just expecting that God is going to respond, you know, like, uh, like nothing ever happened, like they never made the wrong choice. They never disobeyed God's orders or God's word. And they just expected God to be there for him. Oh, not the case. Because again, what do we read? In verse 6, And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord did not answer him, either by dreams, and these were the various ways that God, under the Old Testament dispensation, spoke to the saints of old through dreams, or by the Urim, Remember the Urim and the Thummim, those two stones that were found in the breastplate of the high priest in the ephod? And uh, they would ask God a question, and then they would choose the, the stones out of the ephod, and those would determine whether or not God wanted them to go forward or to stay where they were, or this was just one of the ways that they discerned the will of God. Or also, notice there, by the prophets, as such was the case with Samuel. You know, often they would confide to the prophets under the Old Testament dispensation. Those prophets were God's spokesmen. And uh, so God used them to speak to the kings of Israel, to the people of Israel. But on this occasion, notice, when Saul made his appeal unto God, what happened? God did not respond. And so in verse 7, Saul said to his servants, Find me a woman who is a medium, and I may go to her and inquire of her. And notice, and remember, as I mentioned before, this was something that was forbidden by Saul early on in his administration. But now he's going against the very edict that he had put into place. Who is a medium that I may go to her and inquire of her? And his servant said to him, In fact, there is a woman who is a medium at Endor. We know her as the witch of Endor, right? We're probably familiar with that term. So anyway, the superiority of the opposition left Saul in quite a quandary. What shall I do? He's thinking, if only Samuel was alive. I, at least I could speak to him, and he would reveal God's will to me. 
you see, again, in the midst of his sin, in the midst of his depression, in the midst of his demonic influence within his life, he forgot that Samuel was his adversary. And, such it, and so it is with so many people who have just bailed on God totally, totally walking in disobedience. They have no aptitude whatsoever for the things of God. And then trouble comes to knocking at their door. And immediately they turn to God for their help, only to find that there's no help for them. Now, in that ancient Eastern culture, there were different ways by which the people discern the will of the gods, small letter G, okay? These weren't the true and the living God. And how would they discern the will of God? Well, by the study of stars. This is really one of the crazier ones. Study entrails and liver of animals. Wow. I'm, I'm so glad that we don't do that. Uh, the flight of birds was another way that they sought to discern the will of uh, God. Or divining rods. But another one of those ways, and this is the way in which Saul made his appeal to God, one of the, those, uh, the other ways was through the consultation with the dead. And by the way, let me also add that all of these ways were demonically charged. And all of these ways and all of these methods were forbidden to the Hebrews. Simply, and why was that? Well, God's will was readily made known to all who sought him in sincerity and in truth. And listen, if you're taking notes, you might want to write that down. In sincerity and in truth. You see, God doesn't want us looking elsewhere for direction for our life's experience. Or another way is to discern the will of God. God doesn't want his people to look elsewhere. And where should we be looking? Does God audibly speak to us? Well, I, I mean... There are ways that God speaks to us. I think one of the most profoundest ways, one of the most ordinary ways, is God speaks to us through his word. Wouldn't you agree? You know, in, the, in our personal study time, and I hope that's daily, no commentaries. And listen, my, if you've been over to my house, and many of you have, my bookcases are filled with commentaries. And I use them for my craft as a pastor, and I love the insights of these men and women that have written those commentaries. But listen, let me tell you something. There is no substitute for you alone with the Bible and just reading a portion of Scripture on a daily basis and then making your appeal to the great teacher who is the Holy Spirit to open up that text of Scripture to you. There's no substitute for that. In my Father's house There's a place for that's all we have time for on this edition of In My Father's House. If you've missed any part of this message, you'll find it online at harvestnyc.org. You can also subscribe to the In My Father's House with Mike Venezio podcast. Just search for it on your favorite podcast platform. As we wrap up our time with you today, we'd like to let you know how you can connect with us. 
We want to hear from you. If you've been listening for months or even the first time today, let us know. Have you been blessed by a teaching here on In My Father's House? Have you been able to share what you've learned with someone else? We want to hear your story. It's such an encouragement and brings us great joy to know how this program is blessing our listeners. So please, let us know you've been tuning in. You can send us a message right from our website. Just go to harvestnyc.org and click on Contact. You'll find a form to fill out and we'll connect with you as soon as possible. You can also let us know you've been listening by sending an email to harvestnyc at verizon.net. Please feel free to share your prayer request too. We'd be honored to join you in seeking God's direction in your life. Again, just email harvestnyc at verizon.net. If you're listening to our broadcast and aren't in the Manhattan area, We'd like to invite you to join our weekly worship services live on our website. We stream our gatherings on Thursday at 7.30 p.m. and Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more and connect at harvestnyc.org. That's all for today. Join Pastor Mike next time for another edition of In My Father's House. (laughs) 